You guys, you guys, you guys, welcome to my podcast. I hope that it is going to last for a thousand years and for a thousand generations. Uh, no hesitation, just gonna rap. Freestyle rapping in my little kitchen. Uh, gonna need some stitching on this new couch, cause I'm tearing it up. I'm tearing it up, I got a ceramic coffee cup. It's got little butterflies on it. That's not a joke. Wear a bonnet. Uh, anyways. Yo, mm, my name is Mackin. This is where I talk to my friends about their feelings and stuff. Uh, Billy Goat's Gruff. Mm, fucking Billy Goat's Gruff. Yo, gonna describe the podcast in rap form. Here's an example of a podcast. Hey, it's just me, it's Maggie. Welcome to the podcast. Let's get to the episode. How is that happening? And then there's like a part where it's like, oh, are we recording? And then there's another part that's like, oh, I guess we're recording. And then I'm like, so, anyways, I'm a piece of shit. But, uh, you know, Jesus, sometimes. But I had this one girlfriend. Oh, man, it's crazy. Anyways, just like writing songs, you know? And then the other person's like, um, okay, I guess so. Anyways, welcome to the podcast, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, we have a fantastic episode today with the wonderful Allegra Rosenberg. She is a visionary, met her here at USC, um, super ambitious internet music person um, who's just always either making dope stuff or like helping people meet together and make dope stuff she's just uh she's a mover she's a shaker she's a lover she's a quaker i don't know what her religion is i doubt it's quaker i just needed to rhyme that thing anyway she's super smart super insightful um and she's super diy and punk rock um so if you're looking for inspiration um how to make your own art yourself and not wait for anyone else to do it for you how to start a scene all that shit and this is the episode for you um yeah man i'm doing pretty good right now i uh did a little jog this morning you know it's crazy what a difference the little things make you know (laughs) pretty wild doing lots of laundry and things (sighs) trying to think of uh insightful shit to pass along to you guys no you know what no insightful shit for you guys fuck you guys figure it out yourself yeah yeah, fuck you. <laughs> now, thanks for listening to my podcast. Um, oh, the Nova Darlings did some recordings recently. We're working on some stuff. going to come out soon. We have a show, April 5th, presented by Allegra, a.k.a. Radio Gumbo, at the Hi-Hat. Starts at 8 p.m. It's like 10 bucks or something. Huxley's on the bill. Sure, sure is on the bill. Brightner's on the bill. It's a Brightner release show. Nova Darlings are super stoked to be on that bill. April 5th, hi-hat, Los Angeles, 18 and up. Damn, that's going to be sick. Um, yeah, keep on keeping on, all that shit. And, um, you know, if you don't like the new Dirty Projectors album, that's fine. If you don't like the new Father John Misty singles, or you like a lot of them, but you think he's, you don't want to get into it, because it's going to take you 45 minutes to explain why you don't like the new Follow John Meshi singles, but it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. I'll talk about it another time. I don't have the energy right now. God. Okay, here's the episode. Bye. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. I don't know anything I'm just happy and sad and stuff Oh, wow. Monitoring. Heck yeah. That's what it's about. It's got to feel official. (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, I know. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I managed to avoid a cold. Knock on wood, so that's always a great feeling. Did you do the Zycam? Um, I took my mom's homeopathic wellness vitamins, which are the most powerful placebo known to man. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then I like rested up a bit and drank a lot of water. Homeopathic vitamins? Yeah. She makes like, vitamins? No, 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 no. I mean like she bought them at like Whole Foods. Oh. And they're like 
this pill with like vegetable powder in it or something okay and she's like she's like as soon as you start to feel yourself getting sick start taking these pills yeah and i'm like well can't hurt and turns out like it works even though it like it doesn't right right i think the placebo effect is so interesting it's extremely strong and people like write it off as like that's just a placebo but i'm like are you kidding me the power of intention in your mind can like will physical things just as strong as many legitimate medicines yeah i can it's it's fucked up but you know <laughs> it works i'm so, down with the placebo yeah effect. i got recommended the zycam but i just i just every it's like cvs is so far and the campus pharmacy is so far and like my bed is so nice it's so true so i have water and and weird whole foods shit yeah and man. now i'm not as sick as i thought i was gonna be heck yeah by this time this week it's like always very cold in my bedroom like i could see my breath in my bedroom this morning oh my god did <laughs> you crank the heat no, well, the thing is, like, I, I was when you walked in. Uh-huh. That's where I was fiddling with the heat yeah. thing. But um, it, like, doesn't go in the bedroom. So it's always, like, fucking super hot out here. And it's super cold in there. Space heater. Space Amazon heater. Prime. Yeah, that's do what it. I got to do. Yeah. Because it's so cold in there. And I've been, like, half sick for a while. And it's, oh, like, I'm yeah. sleeping in a refrigerator. Yeah, like a humidifier to boot. Something. Oh, man, yeah. My house, the heat goes right in my room. Which Heck is a yeah. nice change from my house in Skokie, where my room is... Always the coldest and or always the hottest. You say Depend- Skokie? Is that where you're Skokie, from? Skokie, Illinois. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, Chicago suburb. People are like, are you, I say I'm from Chicago. Be like, are you really from Chicago? I'm like, the Chicago CTA has a stop in Skokie, one of only two suburbs that has an actual stop on the L. So yes, I'm actually from Chicago. Heck yeah. So I'm like, just, I'm right there. But yeah, it gets really cold and it gets really hot and my room always suffers at home. But here, the uh, HVAC system is actually effective. Heck yeah. So that's nice. I feel like b- being where you're from, it must be interesting because you're from the Midwest, but there's also like a city vibe. Yeah. I mean, what my dad always says about Chicago and how it's different than New York and LA is that New York and LA are on the coasts. And mm. so there's a cosmopolitan air where people are coming from all over the world yeah. to these cities, even if they're just passing through where Chicago squarely in the middle of the country, though it is a big city, it doesn't have that cosmopolitan international vibe that new york and la do so that yeah it's it's just a little different mm. and it's hard to detect that unless you like you live there and you and you you've been to other places for comparison right heck yeah but it's nice and there's like a nice downtown and it's like you know it's dope heck yeah dude but it's no la right <laughs> i'm i see i'm from southern california right. so like i love la but i'm always wondering like like, I was at Alex Rosenblum's show last night. Oh, uh, the Hotel Cafe? Yeah. I wish I went. It was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really, went to a cool thing. I also as well. went to a couple cool things, but I, I got invited. But he's to, moving to New York. Oh, he he's is. He's been in LA his whole life. Oh, wow. And so I'm just like, that's so cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> is he going to try new music out there? I guess so. I saw him very briefly last All right, night. Cool, cool. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he will. Yeah, New York is awesome. And for a while, I thought I was going to move there right after college. Yeah. Like, I spent the summer after high school there interning, and then I set, mm. spent the summer after freshman year there interning. Same and internship? No, different ones. What um, were they? The first one out of high school was at a uh, social media startup called Everybody at Once that was contracted by BBC Worldwide to do social media for BBC America properties. So I was helping run, like, the Doctor Who Tumblr and stuff at age 18 right out of high school that's sick um and then the second summer i was there i did two internships i was a seasonal publicist at fancy pr which is a pop music pr firm in new york and then i was also an editorial and production intern at the wild honey pie which is a music blog damn so those are all sick positions and i both times i stayed at the same dorm at nyu mm-hmm. this is right by union square yeah which was awesome um and i like really love new york and like yeah so for a while i thought i was gonna go there right after college but then i like started a band here yeah and they're all younger than me so i'm like i gotta i gotta stay man (laughs) exactly i feel you um you said you have a lot of irons in the fire so that's that's one i do yeah what are the other irons in the fire i was just well right like let's see like like right now saturday january 14th i'm working on femfest Heck the yeah. FemFest lineup as well as the lineups for the pre-programming, which includes uh, going to be a Ground Zero warm-up show and a panel, an industry panel. Um, I'm working on, I have a show coming up at the Satellite on January 22nd with Pegasus Warning, Aiden Carroll, and the Unending Thread that I'm promoting. Nice. Um, I'm trying to nail down on February 7th at the Satellite for a show with Max Ox and Peach. Mm-hmm. Um 
I'm trying to nail down Jacob Collier for a house show at USC because mm-hmm. um, he's going to be in town for Grammy weekend because he's nominated for a bunch of Grammys. Uh, I don't know if that's happening. I just sent out like the initial like asks, but that would be really cool. Right. Um, I'm working on booking Minnie Mall summer tour across the Midwest and the East Coast. So just sick. nailed down our New York City date. Nice. Um, and I'm going to be sort of shaping the rest of the tour around that. Um, I am working on helping out Thumpasaurus with publicity and management, and I'm going to be sitting down at the rehearsal next week to talk about direction and stuff, a meeting with Alex Zang, just to gab about, you know, what's going on. Um, what else? There's, there's more. I don't know. That's just off the top of my head. Damn. And then I'm in, uh, taking a full, full course load. Yeah, because you're a film major, right? Uh, I'm a media arts and practice major. Okay. Which is like crit studies, but f- with computers. Sick. So like I'm starting to think about my thesis next year, which is going to be, uh, I think, an interactive installation around the concept of digital memory uh, and archival history of the interactive web. But we'll see. Um and the, but I'm not, I took a lot of courses from my major last semester. The, so this semester I'm taking a lot of courses from my minor, which is nice. What's your minor? Music industry. Nice. Yeah. Damn. That's so fucking cool. That's a lot of really dope And yet things. I still find time to spend hours reading fan fiction and watching Sex in the City. So I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> that's like all I did yesterday. Night. You were reading science fiction. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I love science fiction. It's very important. Um, <laughs> I have this, I used to be like crazy into it in like middle school. It's like a whole nother world. Like having been into so many things as yeah. I have been into, it's crazy to know that around everything that could be obsessed over, there is a community where that one thing is their life mm-hmm. and it's completely independent and it's completely like encapsulated within like a community. So like science fiction, like there are people who, they live and breathe science fiction. They go to the yeah. Hugo Awards. They write it. They get published. They know every like detail and bit of gossip in that community and like mm-hmm. all the like awards nonsense. It's like this thing. And then you turn around and there are like another thing I'm into is like my academic stuff. And there are people who all they do is they they talk about like you know digital memory and like web history and like that's their academic specialty. And like there's the whole world. They go to conferences and like it's crazy just having like being able to peek into these worlds and seeing like people whose entire world is that world is crazy. Like right now, you know, my entire world is sort of like LA indie rock and like the independent music scene. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit bigger than any of these other smaller scenes, but Uh it's like still crazy because there are people who know nothing about it, who don't know that this world exists. Yeah. It's like everyone's in their own in terms of like culture. Everyone's like in their own little bubble sometimes. Mm hmm damn yeah i i that's pretty crazy like i I took a class last semester on uh, film music history taught by john burlingame who's like a like film music critic guy Uh and he's just super passionate about film music and he just like knows everything about it and he's like made this entire life about just like writing about film music and he's like the lead historian journalist guy and it's just like so sick to know like if you love something you can just build your whole life around it that's it everybody's got a thing or a lot of people have got a thing. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're lucky enough to not have a thing, you can pursue a sensible career like medicine, <laughs> like psychology, like that accounting. Could be a thing too, though. Well, what I'm saying is, my brother, my younger brother, is 17, applying to college. Yeah. He's like, Allegra, I wish I was so passionate and creative like you, and like I had something to follow. And I'm like, Theo, you're so lucky that you have nothing holding you back from getting and going to med school. And you're going to be making way more money than me right off the bat. Like, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> there's pros and cons. There are, there are pros and cons, you know. Um, I definitely feel that way. Like, I have friends that are, you know, making figures. <laughs> I'm oh, like, well, God. what are figures? Jesus Christ. Oh. Like, I don't know what money is. Yeah, neither do I. It's been 84 years. Yeah. <laughs> I I, no, that's not true. I got Hanukkah money from my grandma. Yay. Yay. <laughs> that was great. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you're, if you have the drive, if you have the passion, you can, yeah, make your own little world into your world for the rest of the life. There's no need to like leave it behind. But mm-hmm. hey, if you, if you don't have that attachment, it can be freeing. And I think you can follow logic instead of passion. And sometimes I'm jealous of people who can just go, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And I know exactly how much money I'm going to make right out of college. And like, yeah, and like, uh, if only. If only, man. Mm-hmm. So, like, how, what are you trying to do? Or do you have a specific goal in mind? That question scares me. Right? I don't. Not I'm, that, like, because I, I, I just admire the shit out of you for being <laughs> super driven and passionate and, like, in a bunch yeah. of scenes and just killing the game as far as getting shit done. And um, I think what I want to do is be, what I'm, like, looking for a word here. Not... I want to be a here, yeah. I want to be a vector for community, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to bring people together, um, and in you know sort of be someone that is driven in producing and maintaining a community yeah. and like a scene. And this is something that this is like a philosophy I've formulated after like a couple of years of just being all over the place and doing it because it's fun, yeah. you know. But I've realized that my goal in these things is I want to see people I know showing up in the same room. I want to see my friends meeting each other. I want to see mm-hmm. people I know would like a certain band watching that band and falling in love with them and then meeting them and collaborating with them yeah you know i'm not much of an instrumentalist myself and so in certain areas of the scene that i'm into where it's like really heavy players yeah i i i it's so hard for me to hold back and not become involved but because i can't necessarily jump in and jam with them the way that i get involved and like express my past express my passion for that music is to produce events and encourage collaboration and promote the music and write about the Mm -hmm. music um so in that corner of of what i do that's that's definitely part of it and then in the part of the in the other corner where i am actually the one playing and singing and and stuff um i want i think inclusivity is a big part of it i want you know um more females on stage and i want i want more uh gender sexuality race inclusivity in in the indie rock world to become the norm that's why places like junior high are so important in diy spaces um so so moving sort of between the porous dividers that separate you know jazz from punk or whatever i'm sort of bringing all this stuff with me which are these values of inclusivity and community fuck yeah yeah (laughs) and you run a music review blog i don't i have a radio show radio gumball gonna be back on the airwaves on kxsc soon um and i sort of use that to promote new music and I'll, I'll, i'll play my favorite new stuff on it and I'll promote shows and stuff, and I'll have people come in and do sessions. Um, you yeah. guys were the first or second session yeah. I ever had. Second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. That was um, super fun. And I think we were still Felix back Yeah, then. you were. Um, shouts out. Felix shouts out. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but, like, I don't I don't run a blog. I, like, will post about music on Twitter and on Facebook okay. if I like it. Um, but I, I write My about bad. music for other publications. Okay. I've written for Bandcamp, The Wild Honey Pie. Freelance music writing is a hellhole of pitches <laughs> that never get anywhere. But when you get accepted, then you get paid. It feels so good yeah. to, be paid about, to be paid to write music that you love about. So that's something I'm also working on this semester is, is doing more of that. But it's, it's hard hard to break into yeah um it's tough yeah um i I don't i've I've always thought about making a venue for my my own you know reviews and and stuff where i can just post whatever i want but it's 2017 and starting a blog in 2017 (laughs) seems a bit anachronistic right you know i had a tiny letter for a while like an email mailing list Mm -hmm. but i can't like keep up with that shit like i just forgot to write it after a while oh yeah i did like (laughs) i did like a column for daily trojan online for like three weeks of like my favorite new music and i just like forgot to do it and they never reminded me (laughs) so that lasted for like less than a month yeah man that's wild like what okay so there's a bunch of things that i want there's so many friggin irons in the fire of this conversation um it's true what uh tell me about the wolf tell me your journey with the oh band oh my wolf god because oh, I'm just this could so... be like an entire podcast okay <laughs> so 
picture me. I'm 12. Yeah. I discover on YouTube, or my friend shows me on YouTube, a very Potter musical, which is which was a musical put on by University of Michigan students in 2008 that parodied Harry Potter. Uh-huh. All songs were written by Darren Chris, who also played Harry Potter. Um, and it was like, it went viral. And like, it was this, you know, it was a thing that I liked in eighth grade and I loved right. it. And then they did a sequel, a Harry Potter sequel up at Ann Arbor when they were all seniors. And I was in eighth grade and I entered to win tickets, but they, they couldn't sell tickets because it was not their intellectual property. So there was this raffle. But by the time they put on the sequel, um, so many people wanted to see it. So I didn't end up getting tickets. And I was really sad. Then after they all graduated, they moved the company to Chicago, which is where I lived. Yeah. So for all of like eighth grade and like freshman and sophomore year of high school, I went to all their shows and I got to know these star kids, star kid production company, all these people really, really well. And they all attended university of Michigan, um, at the same time as the Wolfpack guys. And they were all part of this one big creative friend group, this one big scene. Yeah. So Darren Chris, who was the star of, of all these musicals and, and the writer of a lot of their songs, uh, eventually got famous and got cast on, on Glee and stuff. And then he went on, uh, you know, like a big tour and stuff. But, um, having you knowing being obsessive as i am and and learning all the relationships between all these actors and these creators Mm -hmm. um one of the members of that scene was theo katzman who was touring the country playing his solo music so being the star kid aficionado that i was i went to see him perform his solo show at a couple uh gigs he did at the venue my dad had opened in 2006 called uh or 2000 something called the space in evanston Mm-hmm. Society for the Promotion of Arts and Culture in Evanston, the space. Yeah. Um, he, he opened that with uh, a buddy of his who eventually screwed him out of it, oh. which was rough. Damn. But he did open, he did found it. Um, so I went to see Theo Katzman play there a couple times in high school. Loved his music so much. He was so talented and mm-hmm. he was friends with all the star kid, star kid people. Um, and then when Darren Chris uh, went on tour in 2013, uh, I saw him play at the House of Blues in Chicago. Theo Katzman was his opening act as well as his drummer and musical director. Um, and so I thought that I was as obsessed as I could be with Star Kid in right. freshman and sophomore year of high school. And after that, it kind of tapered off. Like they did a bunch more stuff in Chicago my junior and senior years that I didn't go to because I was into other stuff by then. Um, but I still like had a place in my heart, especially for Theo's music, which I really loved and like the Star Kid soundtracks and all the music by Darren. Um, and so that was like a big part of like my 14, 15, 16 year old creative ambition was to be part of something like that. Um, and I got to college and do you know uh, Jet and Chowdhury? No. He is like, a, I think he was like a CS major. Did he live in Burncrant? I don't know. He was a guy I knew. We jammed a couple times in the practice room in Burncrant uh-huh. with him on keys and me on guitar and one time he he pulls up a video for me he's like allegra you gotta see this you know there's this band called wolfpack and they're just they're just jamming they're just like these cool guys and they're jamming he showed this to me and i'm like what is this i don't like this music like this is not the kind of thing that i listen to but i was like all right okay cool and then i don't know how it happened after that but somehow two or three months after that like around november freshman year of college it clicked for me theo katzman was in Wolfpack and I I loved him and I loved his music and I was like wait a second and then that's when I got into them and I started I started watching everything and I started listening to everything and I'm like this is so good what the heck and then I realized retroactively when I had seen Theo play in high school in Chicago all of Wolfpack had been his backing band oh shit And I was like, oh my God, I had been, I thought I had been as obsessed as I could be with that group of people, but I was missing this whole other part of it. Uh And I was like, I just like went nuts. And then after that, January of 2015, a freshman year, I got a fake ID and I started going to all these shows in LA and I did my freaky thing where I'm like, I know so much about who knows who that I can pick the right shows to go to and say hi to them, you know? Yeah. So I did that and I went to a ton of these shows and I just started showing up, saying hi to people and talking to people. And eventually I went to like one of Theo Katzman's solo shows at the hotel cafe and he's like, and I'm like, you you remember me? Like my dad, you know, had the space and you played there and I think I met you backstage a couple of times. He's like, oh my God. He's like, I thought you were just like an LA fan. Like I didn't know who you were. I'm like, no, that's me. Um, and I did the same with, oh my God, the story of how I met Jack Stratton is so funny. Yeah. So 
Do you know the band Jukebox the Ghost? I don't. They're a good band. They were playing the El Rey. My friend was here from Australia to see them with me. She's sleeping on the floor of my dorm in Burncrant. And we go to see Jukebox the Ghost. And their opening band is a band called Secret Someones. Um, uh-huh. May they rest in peace. Um, I mean, they're not dead. They just broke up. Right. The opening band, Secret <clears throat> Someones, had a girl in it called Hannah Winkler who had gone to school with the Star Kids and had been in one of Jack Stratton's college bands. Mm-hmm. So he was there to see her. And I'm, after the show, I'm, I'm chilling out in the lobby and I look outside to the sidewalk, outside the El Rey, and I see, is that is that Jack Stratton? At this point, I didn't know about the Hannah connection. Right. I was like, what? And I was, and the El Rey has a no reentry policy for under 21s. Yeah. And at the time, I was 19. So I yell out the door, Jack. And he looks at me, and I'm like, come here. So he comes all the way back to the door. And then I had to be like, hi, I'm Allegra. I've been like tweeting at you guys for like three months. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. So I get like a cute picture with him. Nice. Oh, my God. And that was so weird. That was So that was the first time I met him. <laughs> and that's what after that, for like a couple years, it continued. And I just would see them around. And I would say hi. And we would yeah. talk. And I sort of, I think the first time I had like a really long conversation with Jack was at like Ace Jam. Mm-hmm. we just like chatted and it was like good talks i mean people are like how do you know them i'm like literally i just talked You're right you know that's how you make friends with someone Shut you don't up. you don't have to be, i mean like i am a freak but i could be unfreaky if necessary um so it's just a matter of act just be, being like treating them like you would like any other person you met at a party that you thought was cool right yeah so it's just in the, it's just good vibes and i think the fact that i had been like following that scene since i was 14 made it a lot easier for me right to like chat just because like i knew all the history and i wasn't going to ask dumb questions and i was very genuine and enthusiastic and you know one thing led to a sort of another and now i can safely say that we're homies and i've helped them out and i've I've done merch for them and i've interviewed them and it's just it's like a good relationship to have especially with the band as talented uh, and with that much potential, like it's so exciting to see them grow. Yeah, I just talked so much. Please cut half of that. <laughs> oh my god. Nope. Oh, not how no. this works. <laughs> oh god. Nah, man. <sighs> no, that was gold. I was. Thank you. Anyway, they're such. They're all such nice people. <laughs> and that's so. It's so. It's such a blessing to be able to tell people that. Like you know, Wolfpack. I'm like, yeah, they're the nicest guys in the world. Like saying, like completely yeah. genuinely saying that. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. They're like a good band and they're good people. Mm-hmm. Like that's so. It feels so good to be able to say that and to mean it. Yeah, that's super sick, dude. It's just really. Um it's just cool to see, you know, like, it's like, oh, I know, like, cause I, I've seen them a couple of times yeah. and like, but other people be like, do you know Wolfpack? I'm like, yeah, I fucking love Wolfpack, yeah. you know? And then to kind of see like, oh yeah, it's just people that get to know other people. It's, and that's it. It's just happens. getting to know people. And in high school, I like didn't understand the mechanics of, of that and of how to get to know someone and really mm-hmm. how to make friends. I was really like, I <laughs> didn't have any friends in high school except for online. Mm-hmm um and yeah, i've heard a little bit about this like yeah i just you, you know online like because you were like youtube famous for a period uh, of time or had a big YouTube. let me let me qualify that <laughs> i had a couple youtube videos that got popular uh-huh. within a very very small subset of online people okay um what that meant was i was getting all the validation for my personality and my creativity and my abilities online which made it Number one, unnecessary to seek it out in the real world. And number two, scarier to seek it out in the real world, especially because my high school was full of, you know, not to get crude here, judgy idiots. Yeah. You know, or at least that's what I thought. (laughs) You know, I still instinctually say. So crude. Well, I still. bleep that out. (laughs) I still instinctually say, oh, I got everyone in high school hated me. Oh, my God. I had no friends in high school. Oh, my God. Like everyone in high school thought I was weird. But the last two months of senior year of high school. I got a boyfriend and I started hanging out with his friend group and like smoking weed and listening to music. And I realized that people didn't hate me mm-hmm. as much as I thought. And then I was vote. 
I was voted most likely to be famous at the end of senior year. Yeah. And that freaked me out because I just had no idea that people knew who I was, right. cared about me, respected me. And it was sort of mind-blowing and also so dumb that it happened right when I was leaving. Like, right. if I had known that, maybe my high school years would have been different. But I kind of... <sighs> yeah. I found an outside group of friends, you know, in like the anime convention scene mm -hmm. who I really got along with really well. And I spent a lot of time with them. Um, and that was, you know, where I got my, my, my real life moments from and like good memories from high school were all with these one, that wonderful group of people. Yeah. But that meant that plus the online thing meant that I didn't put any effort into maintaining relationships with people I knew actually at high school. Right. Which is, I don't, I don't want to say I have a lot of regrets, but I definitely could have done it differently, especially when I got to college and I, something clicked and I started making friends and I just sort of realized what I had been doing wrong. I was like, oh, this is so easy. And I just, I just, di I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, like one summer made so much of a difference in terms of like how I interacted with people and, and mm. how I, how I thought about myself. Right. And I was like, wow, I'm like an adult. People think, people, you know, appreciate my ideas and my contributions. Like the internship I was at, mm -hmm. everyone listened to me and everyone was like, that's a great idea. Like I got to like be in charge of projects for this big company. And yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm capable. And then I got to college and I'm like, this is dope. And, and then I would, you know, I was like, oh, well, I messed up high school. Welp. It's crazy how, you know, your own mythology that you tell yourself can really like affect the way yeah. you see yourself and the way you're, you live your life. Like I used to tell myself all the time that I was fat as a kid, you know, and then I look back at pictures and I'm like, I was in good shape, <laughs> you know, and it's a similar thing where it's like, yes, I, like I was bullied in things and I, and I was a very lonely kid and yeah. how you feel versus like how other people see you is like a very different thing. But a lot of it was like me telling myself that everybody hated me. I mean, Maybe more so than everybody actually I, hating right, me. Right. I mean, I wasn't even bullied at all. Like barely. Like people. Like there were maybe like two or three times in all of high school where people were outwardly mean to me. Right. It was mostly. I definitely just, bullied myself way yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. Than it was like a, a self, a self isolating <laughs> impulse. Yeah. You know, and that didn't stop me from like being fulfilled and and being like having a really good time in high school and like doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time you know, there was that sort of lost potential that it was just, you know, it was just all inside my head. But that's like such like, an important <laughs> period of self-discovery. Yeah, it is. I like, like it's sophomore year of college. I like remembered one specific moment from high school where this guy started talking to me about music. Uh -huh. And when he did that, I was so dismissive and I was like, you don't really know about this thing you're talking to me about. You're just talking to me about it because I like it. You don't like really. And I was like, kind of like, I remember walking away and like three years later, I'm like, Oh, he was flirting with me. <laughs> wow. Wow. Like, I literally yeah. had no idea. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Oh man. Yeah. No, I've definitely been in that situation <laughs> as well. And you're like, Oh dang. If only I could rewind the clock. Yep. Three years. So when you're going about booking a Midwestern tour, oh yeah, I'm I'm someone who has I've done one tour that I booked myself. Uh -huh. I'm just curious what your what's your approach? Okay, so here's my approach. We are all f flying out to Chicago, renting a van in Chicago, renting backline in Chicago, going up uh, to Detroit and then Toronto, around to Boston, down through New York and Philly, uh, and then back through maybe Pittsburgh and Cleveland, back to Chicago. And we're doing this because we have a larger support network on the East Coast than we do on any city up the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And we have more of an East Coast sound. We're not like, you know, like surf punks or, or whatever. Like We don't yeah. sound like a lot of bands out here. Um, whereas I think we're a lot much more of a spiritual and sonic match for, for bands doing their thing in the East Coast DIY scene. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think this is a good strategic choice for us. Um, and so what I did to start it off was first I reached out to all my contacts in all of those cities and said, I am booking this tour. I'm just letting you know if you know anybody we should play with. If you are able to get us at any venues, please let me know. I'll be back in touch soon with specific dates. And everyone was right. super receptive. Sick. And then I went ahead and locked down a date in New York City at Shea Stadium, which is a DIY venue in Bushwick uh, that my friend helps book at. 
and I was like, um, all right, we're going to need this date or these two dates on hold. And then she's like, great, we've got them on hold for you. Come back to me in April with bands you'd like to play with and we can start locking down the rest of the lineup. I'm like, you got it. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my contact in Boston and say, I have a date for you. Let's get this date locked down. Yeah. And I'll do the same with my contact in Philly. And, you know, now that I have this one date to work around, I can, we can buy flights, you know, we can get out there uh, and we can figure out when we're going to be in certain places. And then once March and April rolls around, I'll start filling out the lineups with bands I like in each city, making sure everybody's available to play. Uh, And then come May, we'll be raising money for the tour uh, Mm -hmm. and making sure we're having enough money for per diems while we're on the road. We're taking our like honorary sixth member band best friend Adi on the road with us. She's my best friend from high school yeah. uh, who I introduced to the rest of the band and now we're all really close. Hell yeah. In fact, my band's keyboard player is in New York with her right now. Oh, nice. Um, so that's always fun. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing this. It's going to be like about a week and a half. Hell yeah. And it'll be, it'll be really fun. Catch Mini Mall on the East Coast, 2017, June. Yeah. It'll be good. But yeah, I, I mean, as someone who books in LA, I, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing this whole thing as like uh, sort of going to venues and saying, we need a show. Can you put us on the bill? What I'm effectively doing is booking a show like I would book in LA, but right. in a bunch of other different cities. Like I am acting as the promoter in this case. Right. So right. a lot of bands that don't have someone like me on their team or in their band will just be like, we need to get on a show. Can you get us on a show? Whereas I am going to be going the whole nine yards and like sort of curating whole lineups with the uh-huh. local booker and acting as, as the promoter. And that's all the, also the, the duty of a booking agent. So I yeah. am in effect the, also the booking agent. So how do you go about like promoting out of town? You get a lineup that's stacked with local people that the locals will want to see. Okay. So once they come out to the show to see their favorite local bands, they also get to see you. Mm. For example, in um, Philly, I really want to play with this band Coping Skills uh-huh. uh, that has like a pretty decent following. And is, did you uh, just like look them up after wanting to play in Philly, or like you just know this band? I like know before. of them. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, they're pretty cool. And uh, and in Boston, I want to play with this band Mint Green that actually hit us up to play be like if you're ever in boston we really like your music and we'd love to play with you and they are also an amazing band stuff like that in new york the girl who works at the venue who i'm friends with Mm -hmm. i want to play with her band goblin jr um and i also have a bunch of other ideas for uh new york bands to play with like i have like a running list of bands in each city that i I know would be a good show and it's so exciting for me because for the past year and a half, I've only been booking LA bands or bands coming through LA. So this is yeah. an opportunity to stretch my wings as a promoter and make like my dream Boston lineup, my dream New York City lineup, because I yeah. love and know all these bands already. Fuck yeah, dude. That's so sick. Agencies, <laughs> please hire me. I will be free May 2018 for uh, for hiring. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's just like such a cool skill set because as like someone who books their own shows as well, like I'm, that's just like not a strong skill for me. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, so hard <laughs> to, like, i love book it a show, yeah and it's so hard to fucking get people to come to a show that's it i mean that's what i love to do as, as a producer promoter booker person there's nothing better than than setting up a show and just seeing people roll through the door like it's it's a good feeling yeah and I've, i mean i've had so many shows where like four people showed up but if they're having a good time yeah i don't totally. care yeah you know it's about the music my Very parents true. are like why aren't you making money i'm like it's like as much as I love money and need it and would like some very yeah. much right now, <laughs> it's not about the money for me. Like yeah. it's about it's about the music. I want to make sure the artists are paid before I am paid. That's bad. And also doing stuff at venues is not a good way to make money. No, you it's have to not. own your own venue <laughs> or do you know backyard shows. If people can come to that, you make some cash. True. So. Very much so. Yeah. Heck, yeah, dude. That's super righteous. Um, I'm just out here, man. I'm out here. Yeah, out here. We're all out here. We're all out here. We're yeah. just trying shit, you know. What would uh, not to okay. What were what were those YouTube videos? Just out of curiosity. Oh, okay. Just well, get the, I really like the full yeah. Rosenberg no, picture no, no. here. This is the whole story, man. Uh, I really liked. Um, I joined Tumblr in May 2010 yeah. when I was 14, uh, and I really got into all of the media that was popular on that website. So mm-hmm. Doctor Who, Supernatural, Sherlock, Homestuck, anime, all that stuff. 
um, so traditionally, traditionally nerdy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there was like a bunch of people on YouTube making songs about Doctor Who at the time, uh, and it's called Troc for Time Lord Rock. And so I started doing that, and I made a couple songs. And eventually, I think I posted one in June 2011 about a new episode of Doctor Who written by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Delete my sniffs. Okay. Sorry. Do you want a tissue? <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. So I wrote a, a song about an episode of Doctor Who that was written by Neil Gaiman, and it was really the song was called "Say Hello," and it was sort of like sort of summed up the episode in like a cute ukulele way. Yeah. Um. And yeah. I posted it, and eventually, like, Neil Gaiman somehow found out about it and tweeted it to his two million followers or whatever. And then I got interviewed for like the BBC America blog and like the Nerdist blog and like Hell I got yeah. all this media attention. And this was literally during finals week of freshman year of high school. Yeah. And I was like going crazy. Um, and so that was the first time that people had really taken notice of my music. And that was like awesome for so me. Sick. So I kept doing that. I kept making songs about TV shows and, and songs about uh, movies and, and, and comics and stuff. Um, and then eventually I made... Like, uh, you know, remember in like 2012 when everyone was making like the shit blank says videos on YouTube? Yeah. I made one that was like shit Homestuck fans say. Uh-huh. That one got really popular too. And people still watch it every day and leave stupid comments. <laughs> oh. Oh my God. Uh, and I wrote a lot of, I think it was my Doctor Who songs were popular and then like a year later, my Homestuck songs were popular. If you don't know what Homestuck is, you don't want to know. Okay. Because um, <laughs> I don't. You didn't. Just don't. Just don't bother. Just don't do that to yourself. It's a webcomic. That's it. Okay. okay. Um, and and I did like some other ones too, like about Supernatural and Sherlock and like the Avengers and, and whatever. And then nice. when I was 16, I started recording an album. And I don't know if you know this. My dad is a recording engineer and producer and we have a studio in the basement. Oh, I didn't know that. And I refused to let him help me. Oh, heck yeah. And I did it all in my room with my USB mic and garage yeah, band. Yeah. Uh, and my MIDI keyboard and my ukulele and my guitar. And I released it in like November of 2012. So when I was 17. Um, and it was called Obsessive. And yeah. uh a lot of people bought it like a lot of people bought it like oh my god i put this thing on itunes and i don't want to like i don't want to like be a freak here but i made a lot of fucking money off of that album what? i made like i think cumul like the years i was in high school and people were buying it the most like from sophomore year through to senior year when i graduated i made over four thousand dollars from that album fucking shit that's so people cool. really liked it and it was crazy that's like it awesome. wasn't mixed it wasn't mastered it was me in my bedroom yeah with like bad like synth shakers and like my ukulele <laughs> and like I, I don't have an amazing voice and like i could barely sing my own songs um but people really connected with this music because it was yeah. if you searched like doctor who or homestuck on itunes it was one of the first thing that came up Mm -hmm. and i had drawn the cover myself and like photoshop with my tablet and it was like a cute picture of me playing the ukulele um and yeah people really liked it and that just that it, it that just i was like that's this is wild yeah and that you know so of course sick. i wasted all the money um uh <laughs> yeah i did um but it was just like that was such a cool experience to see people like connect with something that i had made and and yeah. i think the only thing that took away from that excitement was the fact that I, these weren't these were songs i had written about other people's stuff like mm -hmm. there were only i think maybe one or two songs like the title song obsessive was about me um and then maybe i think mm -hmm. every other song was about either like a movie a tv show or a celebrity right. um or it was a cover um and 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 that was you know that was an interesting feeling it's like how do you obviously that's the stuff that's going to make the most money because people already have an emotional attachment to the content of of what you've made if you yeah. make it about something else but then you know when approaching it as like your creative work you can't really feel like you completely own it because mm. the, the, the concepts aren't original mm. even if like the melodies and chords are right but that was you know that was a good time and so that was why i never had a job in high school my yeah. yeah my parents never made me like work somewhere because i had and people were buying this record that's sick as fuck um and yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Matter if you got a C want a CD, I still have a whole box of them. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, I do. I'll trade you if you want to know. Yeah, I would CD. like busk at uh, Doctor Who conventions and stuff. Yeah, and sell my CDs. I so was on the, the front page of the Chicago Tribune Arts and Entertainment <laughs> section when I was sixteen. Nice. Yeah, 
Heck yeah, dude. I mean, those was, was wild times. Yeah, that's super righteous. <laughs> what would you, uh, like, for, okay, I, I wanted to kind of be vague about this, but yeah. I'm just going to be blunt. Okay. My band. <laughs> I love your, I fucking thank, love your band, thank you dude. Thank so much. I, like, I like, literally since the first... <laughs> Since the first time I heard you guys, I'm like, I believe in this band. Thanks I believe so this band much. can really be something. There is so much, there's so much good shit in there. I Thank mean, you guys you. play together so well. Um, and honestly, like I told you this, but when I was at my internship last semester and like I was hanging out with like the guy who's like head of alternative A and R, I was mm. like, you need to hear the Nova. Like they're so good. <clears throat> I really I appreciate that a lot. I, I mean, mean, there there are a couple. There are so many bands on campus. But I have a handful that I'm like loyal to, you know, mm. and you guys are definitely one of them. Fuck yeah. Thank you so much. I, we really, really appreciate that because we're, you know, a little baby band. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we're, yeah. hopefully we're going to be able to, in this next period of time, like really get the train rolling, you know, because it's, it's been kind of stop and start from day yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You know, just like little pockets of activity. That's right. Um, but I just, I guess, like, what would your advice be as far as like. I mean. <laughs> I gotta start charging for this stuff, yeah, man. But you here's, do. I, that, that was one another one of my New Year's resolutions. You're I'm, a consultant. I am. A, I really am. <laughs> but I do it all for free over like lunch and shit. Okay. Um, I think in your I case, wanna, I don't want to exploit you. No, no, no. You have a very marketable sound. You have very good songs, and not only are they are they good, but they're listenable. Mm. You know, um, like there are some records where you're like, "This is amazing," but I, I don't, I can't listen to this on repeat. <laughs> Whereas I. I would listen to you guys on repeat all damn day mm. and i think everyone who has seen you live would agree with that what you guys have is a strong live show and strong songs mm -hmm. and you need to extend into the third part of the triangle which is strong recordings mm, you know yes. and as long as you're working towards that as a goal then whatever you're doing is fine as long as it's supporting filling out and strengthening that triangle yeah. of performance um and you 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 have a marketable I'm like, not to be like a marketing freak, but you guys no. have like a, a good, a, your, your lineup looks good on stage. Mm -hmm. you, it really does. It's very, you know, it's symmetrical. It's nice. It would look good if you were all standing on an album cover like Weezer, you know, mm -hmm. like that looks good. Um, and I think, you know, everyone's an amazingly skilled instrumentalist um, and performer. Um, and, and so what you need to do is you need to sort of hone in on your image and you, yeah. need to, you, need to, you need to pick who are we as a band? Like come up with three words. Like if I was talking about my band, yeah. I would be like, my three words would be like harmonies, colors, and like femininity or like totally. female energy, like Fuck girl yeah. power, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when I'm, and you know, it can be hard as an, as someone who's part of the band to distill like that. Like it hurts me. Cause I'm like, we're so much more than that, right. but nobody wants to know how much more than that you are. <laughs> they want the three words or less, yeah. you know, if you can give it in one word, do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it, it's all about being direct, you know, sort of with the approach. And because once people are attracted by that approach, they'll stick around to see the rest of, uh, of the being unfold, Yeah, you know? So I would say that, that the only issue that Nova is facing right now, other than like you said before, is consistency in yeah. existence <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, is consistency, uh, and directness of image. Right. Um, I think that your songs, like, who would you say your your influences are in terms of of songcraft? Like, if you were trying to describe the sound of Nova to like a potential manager or label, what would you say it sounds like? like oh. Give me three bands. Ooh. Three Ooh. bands or acts. Because uh, I have my own in my head, but I don't know if they're the same you as do. yours. I would love to hear yours. I would say that, like, maybe I maybe like car seat headrest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Wilco. Uh -huh. um, ooh. I don't know. Like, we get a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, what have you gotten? We get a lot of, like, uh, well, me and Carter are big Ben Folds 5 fans and, like, Elliot okay, Smith yeah, fans. Yeah. Um, and I think we kind of have, like, a 90s-ish sound. You do. Um, but I also think there's a lot of contemporary stuff in yeah, there. Like, I can hear you. Cab, there's some shins in well, there Well, yeah, a bit. I could, I, but the thing is, I could hear you, like, popping up on, like, the Alt 18 on Sirius XM, you know, like, mm -hmm. right next to, like, like, what am I, like, like, coin you know, like these new, I don't know them. that's right. These new alt bands, uh -huh. I would say like, like coin colony house, uh, 
not Bastille, but like, you know, like these new, the new sort of like new, like guitar bands that are assigned to major labels and work with co-writers, but like mm-hmm. still have a very unique sound. Right. I like, oh my God, I'm like totally blanking, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But because you guys are synthesizing all of those influences that you mentioned into something that's very of the now. And I think that's, that's very attractive to listeners and to, mm-hmm. to concert goers. Totally. Like, didn't the guy from the Mowgli's who was DJing at that show at the Satellite, you played yeah. really dig, you guys? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say the Mowgli's are one of those bands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. We might be playing another show there um, with a guy who, he played the last band. His name's Jordy Kiefer. I mean, man, the name sounds really familiar. Yeah, he's like a boy pop guy. He's yeah. Super strange, super awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, you know, you you do have an appeal, and it's just about distilling that appeal into something that can, you know, attract people with a blurb. Yes. You know, like with my band, I'm like, what would make people want to come see us? Yeah, because there's so many. Oh my God, there's white boy indie rock bands. That's right. I don't have to worry about that because we're already unique just by the factor yeah. of there being four girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's right. You have to put in that extra mile. What makes your yeah white boy with guitar indie rock band different <laughs> and better than every other one right and i think for you it's your songs mm-hmm. and, and 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 the content of your songs and the performance of your songs because your live show as i said is so tight thank you so it's like, it's, it's just about you know you have all of these really strong threads yeah to to work on that aren't gonna break if you pull on them and it's just about braiding them together into a cohesive whole fuck yeah Thank you for I'm that. I'm like on some shit, man. <laughs> what the fuck? No, you're killing it. I feel That'll like. That'll be $50. Yeah, I honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, damn. You're you're killing the game. I and like I, I don't feel comfortable. Like my dad's like, yeah, you should really need to. Start. I had this epiphany in September that I should start consulting and, 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 and p- getting paid money to do this. Yeah. But I don't feel like this is like a self-esteem thing. Like I don't feel like I'm qualified to unless I have proven successes. Like unless a band that I'm helping like does something crazy cool and it was because of me. I mean, Mm. but that, that doesn't, that's like, that's like a false equivalence just because like my advice is good no matter what the outcome is because it's not, it's not the band. It's me. It's me that's giving the advice. Mm. And I would like to feel like I have, put in the hours studying bands yeah and and sort of being obsessive over the choices that musical groups make that lead to success i've been you know studious enough to distill that information into uh advice that i can offer because i know what not to do there's a lot of (laughs) shit you shouldn't do but it's very specific to what your band is like i can't go around giving blanket advice i'm not going to start like a music advice podcast because literally for every single act or band it is different true like uh, like wolfpack no manager no publicist no nothing except for a really good booking agent and jack stratton but because they have jack stratton nothing that they do can be applied to any band that doesn't have jack stratton in it true you know yeah so as much as their advice is useful to know like don't sign anything keep all of your rights don't play a show until you sold out start on the internet and grow from there that yeah. advice can't be applied to every band especially if they're working in a completely different genre yeah so it, 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 it's not so much about knowing what to do it's about knowing what to do and when and if to do it right i super feel that still on some shit still on some shit oh my god I, what was i gonna ask you oh man Oh, dude, I'm an open book. You've gotten to talk me to talk about my fucking YouTube videos. Like I, I don't like. I, it was so funny. I got to campus freshman year. Yeah. And people recognized me from those videos. Really? Multiple people were like, "You, you were you're in the Homestuck video." I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I gotta own it, man. I haven't even talked to you about the record I made when I was seven, though. What you made a record <laughs> when you were seven? songs for the swing set four kids what? five kids what me and my best friend at the time talia, who prompted this let me tell you okay <laughs> me and my best friend at the time my childhood best friend talia went to jcc day camp together in skokie illinois uh-huh. and we would sit on the swing set and we would write songs she is the daughter of paul wortico former drummer for pat Metheny, and barb wortico who's a amazing keyboard player um and then i my dad has like a studio and is like a total music guy and we would just we just rewrote like 10 songs together just with our voices like we didn't know how to play anything we just wrote songs you know on the swing set um and then 
I went to my dad. I was like six years old. I'm like, dad, we want to make a CD. And of course, my dad being my dad was like, yes, I'm going to hire all of my crazy session guys like these real, these real jazz, <laughs> like these cats, man. Get them all down in the basement and Barb yeah. and Paul will be on it too. And everyone will play and I'll play on it and I'll produce it and I'll mix it. And then we'll print a bunch of copies and your mom will do the PR. And so he was ready to go. He was ready to go. Oh, yeah. So we recorded a bunch of these songs, most under two minutes. Um, and we, yeah. And like, we had these amazing session players, like mm-hmm. they like wrote out all the charts for them. Damn. And then we like, we sang them and then my dad printed up a bunch of CDs and my mom went out to all the local papers and got us in most of them with these big articles yeah. about these two little girls who made their own CD. And then we sold the CD at local stores and people really liked it. Fuck, I mean, so like, like the songs... There's one called Puppies in the Window. There's a song called... I might have to put one of these at the end of this podcast. If you can find them. <laughs> maybe I'll send you one. I would love that. Um, and a mini mall. I would love oh, to put, yeah, yeah, yeah. put some mini so mall a, there, We had a song called Puppies in the Window. We had a song called Star Venus Earth. We had a song... And then me and Tali each had like a solo song. Yeah. Mine was called Golden Brown. It was about fall. Woo. And hers was called... Oh, jeez. Uh, I Love You Everywhere I Go. That was what it was called. And um, yeah, and now my little baby cousins are listening to this CD and they love it so much. Oh, like yeah. it, it has a lasting appeal, I think. <laughs> I think because the instrumentals are so solid. Like these are these like heavy Chicago session players <laughs> that my dad was like friends with and got. And then seven year olds. Yeah, but yeah, backing up seven year olds. Oh my god, this. I mean, like it's crazy. Hell yeah, that's quite. So for a while, it's so story. funny. For a while, when you googled my name, that was what will come up. Right. And I was like, because I was, you know, like. You know, when you're a kid, things change so fast. So, yeah. like, immediately after we put the CD out, I was embarrassed by it. Like, pretty much immediately. Uh-huh. And then, when I hit high school, if you Googled me, what came up was all my, like, YouTube shit and, like, my Doctor Who stuff. Yeah. And now, I don't even know what comes up when you Google me. I think it's, like, all of my social media. It's, right. like, my LinkedIn, my website, <laughs> with my resume on it. Please hire me. Please hire me. <laughs> and then, if you keep going down the pages, you'll get the other stuff. Well, I'm sure there's like a lot of uh, people with jobs to give out that listen to this podcast. Please hire me. <laughs> this viral podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that th- th- that's the kind of stages of, of of my life. Oh man, dude, I like want you to hear this this kid record now. I I fucking want to hear it, man. I want to hear it. And like, it, dude. I think the best part Send about it, it is that literally me and her we wrote all of these songs yeah. by ourselves. That's badass, dude. Yeah. So when I say I've been writing songs since I was five years old, like I'm not fucking around like i've literally been writing songs since i was five years old you've got a mythology going and they're still bad just kidding (laughs) just kidding oh man okay yeah yeah true true allegra fans (laughs) who Who knows this shit heck yeah what's what are your what are your opinions on on facebook in general i love facebook i love social media yeah it's great i think that (laughs) Oh my god, this is like another hour-long podcast. Now you got me going academic. Um, <laughs> let me try and like narrow my thoughts down. I spent all yeah. of winter break fending off my parents as they and my grandparents as they criticized me for being on my phone. Uh-huh. So I had like these arguments ready to go. That but they're for like a middle-aged and elderly audience. Um, but I think that the as as my one of my favorite digital theorists is Nathan Jorgensen, and he posits that digital duality, which you know proposes a a, a wall in between the digital life and and real life is a fallacy Mm. you know developed by people who are scared of there not being a wall so to speak Mm. um and and he says that you know part of 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 advancing human technology is is coming to understand that you know life lived online is just as real as life lived offline and i think that's very true while there are some criticisms to be levied at that argument i I really believe in the core of it um Mm. and i'm looking forward to exploring that in my academic work and in my thesis and when i go to grad school i didn't say that um (laughs) but you know it's it's being someone whose life has been made immeasurably better and and more or more lively and more vibrant by social media and and by the internet i i can safely say that it has almost you know it's it's so important to me yeah but you know there are issues presented by social networks because not everyone is like me 
unfortunately and not everyone has in, in it uh knowledge of, of how to use how to utilize social media and how to understand it and what not to do yeah. so stuff like fake news and and the, and, and the absence of digital meaningful digital literacy in in the schools and and among young people is is dangerous um but i think that you know as Humanity moves forward with this whole technology thing. You know, we have to grow alongside the technology. And, mm-hmm. you know, the crazy thing about being a human is that we have surpassed evolution. and We are evolving ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't need millions of years to, to to find out ways to change our social structure and, and to find out new ways of of. of you know, harvesting food and, and whatever. Like we don't need evolution and, and, and long-term trial and error for that because we have technology and, and we mm-hmm. have self-awareness. But the danger of that comes, of course, in moving too fast. I'm reading this really, really good book called um, When We Are No More by Abby Smith Rumsey about mm. memory uh, as a human function and, and digital memory and, and, and how to sort of connect the two uh, and preserve, you know, digital culture in the same way that, analog culture has been preserved Mm -hmm. um and 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 the first the whole first half of the book is this incredible survey of memory as a human function and like how humans have evolved alongside memory and how we've externalized memory into first cuneiform tablets and 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 moving all the way through through books and all the way up to to the internet Mm -hmm. um and i can't like really describe the whole book in like yeah. a couple sentences here. But if you have any interest in any of the bullshit that I've just spouted, <laughs> check out that book. It's so good. Yeah, that's some fascinating stuff. Oh God, I really am going to go to grad school one day. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, how do you get so much done in a day? What do you... I really don't. I just sit <laughs> on my ass. I read a lot of tweets. I tweet, I make a lot of tweets. Yeah. I, you know, one of the joys of social media for me is following a bunch of really fucking smart people and seeing what they're talking about, seeing what they're reading. Mm. You know, uh, Nathan Jurgensen uh, opened up an, uh, a web a web magazine called Real Life Mag about a year ago, mm-hmm. and it's played host to some of my all time favorite pieces of writing on on uh, digital life and on you know all this stuff. Um, and I read a lot of, you know, New York times. I mean, I grew up, my parents got three newspapers every single morning, New York times, Chicago Tribune, wall street journal. I fucking love reading. Yeah. I read probably one or two books a week from ages seven to 15. I love reading. I do. I don't do as much of it now as I should, but people are like, how do you know all these things? I'm like, well, when I was 13, I was reading a lot of fucking books. I was just playing video goons. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was that was part of my part of my lifestyle was just yeah. consuming endless amounts of knowledge. And even though I don't do as much of that now, yeah, I still have it all in my head, <laughs> and I can apply the stuff that I have in my head to the stuff that I am reading now. Definitely. Why, did, why didn't I get into Yale? <laughs> like, come on, I wouldn't have gone, but it would have been nice. I'll send them this podcast. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, uh, fuck you. Four <laughs> Ivies. They didn't want me. Yeah. Fuck them. Rejects. I man. know. I got rejected as well. There we go. <laughs> but now we're here. Places. So fuck them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're fucking, you're, you're punk rock as hell, Allegra Rosenberg. Thank you so much. And you're an inspiration to us all. Thank you. And so I've just like, you, you got the, you got the DIY spirit in your heart. And I oh think man, it's, I uh, hope so. Yeah, man. And I just like your, your values of, of community and inclusivity and mm-hmm. getting shit done and doing it yourself is just, uh. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about, man. I'm like a shark, man. I get so bored. <laughs> and if I get bored, then I just start watching TV, and that's bad. Yeah. So I just got to keep myself from doing that, and the way I do that is by just piling more shit on my to-do list. That's the truth. That's what's up. <laughs> Thanks, Allegra. Thank you, Mackin. Yeah. Heck yeah. And that's the show! Hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoy Allegra Rosenberg very much as a person. She brings a lot of wisdom to my life. Um, this is a track uh, by her band Mini Mall. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's called Drunken Stars, and it's available on their SoundCloud. So check it out. Cool. Much love, everybody. Take care. Sometimes I disappear easy. Residual.